Welcome to the Kingsway Christian Fellowship. We hope that you'll be blessed as you listen to this audio sermon streamed live from Melbourne, Australia. Kingsway Christian Fellowship is a family Bible-based non-denominational church preaching Jesus Christ, based in Wonturner. Visit www.kingswaychristianfellowship.com. Now here's Pastor Gary. Good morning, and uh, all those latecomers, good to see you too. Praise the Lord. Um, and uh, it's good to be in God's house. It's good to be in God's presence. It's good to be amongst God's people. And um, it always is a joy and a pleasure to bring the Word of God as uh, I attend this morning. So we can turn to Proverbs chapter 23. I'm just going to use this really a bit different what I'm going to do this morning in terms of I'm going to launch off this particular scripture to examine the theme. So it's a bit more topical this morning um, that I want to touch upon and establish it in scripture and see God's plan and his purpose. But I, years ago, from my library of books that I have, I have written um, a, a tremendous book by an author named Samuel Chadwick. Has anyone ever heard of Samuel Chadwick? No? Ah, uh-huh, here we go. Samuel Chadwick. And so, um, a book was given to me or recommended, it was called The Way, actually given to me, The Way to Pentecost. And, um, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a tremendous book. And, um, and then I read, I bought his, um, his biography, or his biography, and I read that about his life and it was um, uh, quite inspiring. But Samuel Chadwick was a Methodist um, preacher and teacher, and he was a principal for many years in the, the Bible College. And so, but outside of John Wesley, uh, Samuel Chadwick was probably the most influential figure, common figure within the Methodist movement in, the, uh, in that era as well after, afterwards. And so, back in the early 1900s. And so, um, as I, you know, he, he was a man that had a long ministry had a major influence and effect. God used him mightily. He was a great teacher of the, the Word of God. But he was a man that was really moved with compassion, had a heart for God, had a heart for people, and uh, was really given over to the work of the Lord to minister in this in this manner. And so, in his um, in his biography, he makes he made a statement that has stuck with me, and I want to examine that in light of Scripture this morning, because he said these. He made this statement. He said, it's amazing what God can do uh, with a broken heart. It's amazing. It's wonderful what God can do with a broken heart when we give him, or if we give him, all the pieces. Now, just think about that. Let the thoughts resonate, because I want to look at this in two parts, obviously, and I want to look at it in a service examine in light of the word of God. But he said this profound statement based on his years of ministry, lifelong serving of God's people, and things that he had observed, the good and the bad and the sad. And he says it's wonderful what God can do with a broken heart if he gets all the pieces. And so I want us to ponder that thought, I want us to examine it in scripture, and I want to read 
just one portion of the text, really, in that's found in the book of Proverbs, chapter 23. And it's found in verse 26. And it's really just one portion of the text. It's how narrow it is. But it captures the essence of what we want to examine in light of the Word of God this morning. And it says in verse 26, My son, give me your heart. And so that is also in the context of God speaking to his children, male or female, doesn't matter. My child, my son, my daughter, give me your heart. And so... I'm not talking about, you know, where we, you know, like salvation and saying, you know, give your heart to Jesus and things like that. That's really uh, not what I'm talking about, okay? Salvation is not giving your heart to Jesus. Salvation is believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and making a confession of faith in His sacrifice and His provision for our... uh, And yes, we give Him, we surrender. Yes, we serve Him. But now in the context of God who now lives in us, in the context of now God who is at work in us, it is imperative, amen, that we give him our whole heart. My son, give me your heart. Because if God's going to work in our hearts, if he's going to have absolute full access and control and do the work that he wants to do, especially in the context of healing a broken heart this morning that it is imperative that he has absolute access to every area of our heart. And it's one thing to say yes for sure, but I tell you the truth, based on my experience and my observation and my service in, uh, in, in Christian, uh, as a Christian and in ministry over the years, this is what I'm saying is not as simple as it sounds. Because of human nature, because of the way that we are, because of the things that have happened maybe to us. And so there are things, there are obstacles, there are hindrances that sometimes hinder us from giving God our all uh, our heart. And that's what Samuel Chadwick was saying. He's saying how glorious it is, how amazing and how wonderful it is and what God can do with a broken heart if he gets all the pieces. Because there's no doubt this morning that our God is a miracle-working God. You see, what is impossible with them is nothing is impossible with God this morning. It doesn't matter what the experience has been. God is a miracle-working God. And so when we look at the Scriptures, when we look at the Bible, when we look at it in its entirety, what we begin to see is we see God who reveals Himself and the various aspects of His attributes but it is that when we talk about a miracle working God, what God can do with the human heart in light of um, the things that can and do happen to it. I mean, we have in our modern world today those that want to delve into the depths of the soul. And modern psychology that is built on foundations that are not biblical. But, you know, everyone wants to kind of dabble into this realm and somehow think that they can uh, deal with the inner depths of the heart. But I can tell you, man cannot 
achieve when only God can. Because He's the Creator. He sees the inner depths of the heart. Nothing is hidden from the Lord. Everything's known before Him. But you see, we have to give Him access. We have to give Him our whole heart this morning. And at the centre of the Gospel, at the centre of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, it's not just the fact that God deals with sin. Obviously that is foundational and fundamental. Uh, that, that God, Christ came into the world and that He died and He paid the penalty of sin by offering Himself as a sacrifice. So that is true. But also, well, not only are we dealing with the issue of sin, what is at the forefront of God's thoughts and mind is the effects of sin. And that's why when we find in 1 John chapter 3, uh, verse 8, where it says, For this purpose the Son of God came into the world, to destroy the works of the devil. Now, yes, in relation to sin and, um, and the strongholds of the enemy and the works of darkness upon mankind that have been afflicted and inflicted. But not only did Christ deal with the issue of sin, we find that the ministry of Jesus Christ at, at the centre is dealing with the effects of sin. And how it has impacted human, the human soul. And I tell you, you just have to look at the world around you and see its devastation. That's why when Jesus came and he was anointed of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says in Luke's Gospel, chapter 4, verse 18, that he stood there and he said that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has called me and anointed me to preach the Gospel to the poor. And he says these words, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to set at liberty those that are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. You see, what we have this morning is Jesus Christ was, a, was concerned, he was moved with compassion. And he saw the effects of sin and he saw the brokenness of humanity and, uh, and how that was afflicting and affecting people. And here he makes the declaration, I have come, yes, to heal the brokenhearted. This is central to the message of the gospel. God is in the business, amen, of, of healing broken hearts. And it is a major thing throughout the scripture. It's not just something that we observe in the ministry of Jesus Christ. This is a, the nature of God. I mean, in the book of Psalms, in chapter 34, verse 18, the Bible says these words, The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such as have a contrite spirit. And so in other words, there's something about the heart of God that is drawn to a broken heart. And that's why uh, uh, we find this emphasis and this reference in the scripture. That word broken in the Hebrew there in Psalm 34, 18, it means to burst and to break down, to be in pieces. And so the Lord sees this. And so when I think about this this morning, and I think about all of these things, and uh, let's reflect, how many of us have uh, came to the Lord with a broken heart this morning? I, I, I was a broken man, 18 years old, already sin had ravaged my life, already the effects of things that I had 
endured an experience and suffered, had a, had, had a devastating effect. But I tell you, God saw me in the miry clay. He saw a broken teenager that was lonely and lost. And so it is. He sees us and he gives us grace. But you see, the fact is that this brokenness is the result of many things. I know that uh, uh, I, I suffered as a result of uh, some uh, various factors in my life that I was subjected to. I suffered as a result of, which no doubt we can all relate to. But also, as a, as a rebel teenager, I began to engage and live in sin. And as a result of that, the effects that I read very quickly, the things that I had sung. These are all these things contribute to our brokenness. That's the point that I'm making this morning. <coughs> Jesus said, whoever falls on this rock will be broken. But whoever falls with broken power. In other words, whenever we come to Jesus, we will come in a place of humility and brokenness. Whether that's brokenness for our, over our sin and rebellion against God, brokenness of our lives and just the mess that we can be in. They've been varied, but you understand the point that I'm making this So God reveals himself as Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord who heals you. This is one of the names of God, and obviously it has various aspects to consider with it. But nevertheless, it is fundamentally a revelation of the attributes of God. God is a healing God. He is a God that wants to restore. He is a God that wants to heal. And a God that wants to bring deliverance. This is his revelation of who he is in his nature throughout the whole Bible. And uh, we see it time and time again as it relates to the children of Israel and their experiences. And we'll look a little bit more at that later to draw some parallels and some truth for us to understand. But in the book of Psalms again, dealing with the nation of Israel itself, it says in Psalm 147 verse 2, the Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers together the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. And so the outcasts of Israel. He, 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 he brings them together. He draws them to himself. Uh, and he, he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. He brings about healing. He just doesn't leave us. He doesn't do a half job. A job that's half done. The Lord, when He works in our hearts, His intent this morning is to bring about wholeheartedness and complete healing to the heart and soul of the human individual. So healing is at the centre of God's redemptive work in the soul of man. And that must be clear. It must be understood. Acts chapter 10 verse 38 tells us again how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. And so again, with the emphasis is clear that how God anointed him for a specific purpose. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. 
You see, the destruction of the, of the human soul is the result of the, of the demonic activity of the devil himself. And his fingerprints are all over humanity in which he has wrought destruction. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Jesus said. But you see, Jesus went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed. And you only have to read the Gospels and, and you begin to realize that we're dealing with a miracle working God this morning. A God who went about. And the Bible says that He healed them, not of their diseases. He physically touched them and healed them of their infirmities. He cast out demons of those that were demonically oppressed. And He made, He healed them. He brought deliverance and healing, and you see that right through the ministry of Christ as you read those Gospels, and you see it as you read in the book of Acts how the Spirit of God is at work bringing deliverance and healing. It hasn't changed. God is in the business of healing people's hearts. That is why, over the longevity of his life, the second chapter, he looked back and he said, How how wonderful it is what God um, can do with a broken heart. Because only God can do that work of healing in our hearts this morning. But He also, in His wisdom and in His experience, He said and He made a condition to that statement. He said, If it's a little word, but everything turns on, doesn't it? If. How amazing it is what God can do. If. He gets all the pieces. And this is where the challenge and the problem for many Christians lie. Because we have to give God all the pieces. And this is so often where we fall short. This is what Samuel Chadwick was making mention, how he observed in instances where this was not the case and, and how the consequences of that played itself out in individual lives. Uh, and it would grieve him, no doubt, and he would uh, uh, see the effects of that. But at the same time, he realised that, that we are limited in what we can do. And even God is limited to what he can do when, because that's why he said, if we give him all the pieces. We can limit God's ability to work in our hearts this morning. I mean, the Bible says, in light of the fact of everything that Jesus did when he went to the city of Nazareth, the Bible says he couldn't do many miracles there. Why? Because of their unbelief. And so the fact is, is here's Jesus, he's going about doing good, healing all the rest, and he comes to Nazareth, and they're like, oh, it's not just. Oh, just Joseph and Mary, you know. So they had familiarity with Jesus because they had grown up with him and they knew of him, they would know of him, probably knew him some, whatever. So, oh, just Jesus. <laughs> it's Jesus. You know, not just Jesus. But as a result of their disposition of heart, as a result of their mindset, the Bible says that, that, that Jesus couldn't do many miracles amongst them. Because of their unbelief. And that's a pretty profound thought. Because God can do anything. And if he wants to, he's not limited by these sins. But in this instance, we're seeing 
that the Bible has shown us something and how God can be limited. And that is what James is talking about when he says, if we give him all the people pieces, because even we can limit God's ability to work in our hearts. That's why the plea is in our text, my son, give me your heart. It's like, it's a cry, it's a plea, uh, knowing that it's only, only you can make that decision, only you can gain, uh, give that access. It's a, your choice here that is, uh, is relating to this whole aspect. So God wants to access the whole heart. And yet, when we talk about the human heart this morning, I just want to examine with you so that I want to go a little bit deeper here. And so, because when we talk about the aspects of the human heart and its depths and its complexities, uh, only the Lord knows. The, lamp, the, spirit of, the Spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of the heart. Tell us in Proverbs. God sees everything. But you see, it doesn't mean He can access everything. We have to allow God to get sometimes deep into our hearts where there's issues that, are, that, that exist, that are hurting us, that are affecting us, that are hindering us from being made whole. And so, in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, the, the scripture says these words, Guard your heart, or, uh, or um, <coughs> uh, we'll excuse me for a phrase, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Now this is spoken in a positive manner, giving us wisdom in life, because we have to uh, be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. Guard your heart with all diligence. Be careful what you open yourself up to, what you do, because what gets access into us does affect us. It can have, have uh, consequences, so we've got to be very careful, spoken in a positive aspect. Guard your heart with all diligence, because out of it will flow the issues of life. And this is, uh, this is how it relates to later in life. But at the same time, there's a, not, in, not that this is what the text is saying, but let me just put something in here, because it's still relevant to the overall aspect of things, is that we can guard our heart to the degree that we are hurting ourselves and we are, to our own detriment, we are not allowing God to access every area of our heart. Human nature is like this. Now I want you to think with me for a moment, and I just want to illustrate this a little bit more. Because what happens to the human heart when it's hurt? What happens to the human heart when it's uh, 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 being damaged uh, and there's some trauma or something that's, uh, that's affected us deeply? The tendency is, is to withdraw. So people in life, because of their experiences, they, they didn't keep people at arm's length. They don't want to let this person get too close. They don't want to let them to access that area or because it's a no-go zone. You know, we've heard the phrase, uh, once bitten, twice shy. Or uh, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Because now we need to put up barriers. Now we've got to learn to guard the heart, but now not in a positive sense, but now because we're bearing some wounds and because we've uh, had to deal with some issues in life, we're kind of shutting things out. And uh, this is what happens to the human heart. And this is, uh, so deep in the human uh, soul, there's a defense mechanism. 
And we don't want to let people get too close. We don't want to open ourselves up to be vulnerable because we don't want to again be hurt. And this is what happens to the people in life as they go along in their journey. It's just a sad truth. But see, the sad truth is, is that when we take this approach towards God and we don't want to allow God to access areas of our lives, the pieces of our heart that we won't give to God, why? No, maybe it's, it's just too painful. It's too raw. Things have happened. And so as a result of that, there is this, this, there's these barriers that that are there. Or people want to hold on to their, their anger. They want to hold on to their resentment. They want to hold on to their bitterness. They want to hold on to these things in their lives to their own detriment. And so sometimes and then people will realize that you come across people in life, you know that they're deeply traumatized or affected by something and you kind of looking to minister or you want to talk about it, but it's like you just can't go there. And not only that, the individual just shuts it out. That's what people do. They tell us, you know, because of the bad memories, they shut things out, things that have happened, and whatever else. But these things affect us going forward. And God, He wants to access every area of our heart. Why? Because He wants to bring deliverance and healing. But we have to give Him the pieces of our heart this morning. So what I'm talking about it's not based on psychology this morning. But what I'm talking about, and I want to show you this from the Word of God, I want to illustrate it from the Scripture. Because what I'm talking about, I believe, is revealed to us in the Bible. Because the, the nation of Israel is, uh, is, is, is an example of the, of the believer as a Christian. And so when we look at Israel as a nation, the Bible says that these things were written for our admonition for our instruction, they're our example. So when we look at these things in Scripture, we see things about ourselves, we identify uh, aspects about ourselves. And when you look at the children of Israel, you see people that were broken. They were broken hearted. Can you imagine who they are? They're slaves in Egypt. And uh, they were under the bondage of Pharaoh. Uh, for, for hundreds of years and they had no liberty, they were just uh, driven as slaves and beaten by their taskmasters and just run to the ground. And so here we have that Israel is a broken heart and hearted people. Then the, the Bible says they cried out to God and God says, I heard their cry. And that God was moved and so he was acting now to bring about their deliverance. And he did so, and he brought them out of Egypt by a strong hand and so forth, you know the story. Now we know that this is a picture, Egypt being a picture of the world, Pharaoh being a picture of the devil, and how we were in Egypt, and we too were under the slavery of Pharaoh, the slavery of sin, and we too were brought about to places of brokenness, and we cried out to God, and God delivered us, hallelujah, and he brought us out of Egypt, and we were saved, praise the Lord. But you see, the work that God begins, the Bible says He's going to complete it until that Jesus Christ. Amen. And so being saved, now we are in the process of being saved. And God's going to change us. He's going to bring about healing. There are some things that will be instantaneous. There are other things that are lurking in the depths of the heart that God will bring to the surface. And, and 
over time because he wants to bring about healing and wholeheartedness in our lives. I mean, think about it. Here's God. He's bringing the children of Israel into the promised land. And yet we find many instances, what do they do? Complaining. They are, uh, <clears throat> they are this, they're being sin of disobeying God. They're constantly, there's a, they're whinging and complaining. And, and God is patient. Love, the love of God is long-suffering towards the nation. And so God is continuing to meet their needs. And, and, uh, and just, he's been very patient because he realizes where they've come from and who they are and their circumstances. And they're, they're fragile, they're vulnerable. You see that, you observe that. And, uh, but at the same time, as, as, as gracious and as merciful and compassionate as God is, the time, there came a time when they, had, they crossed the line, right? And so then, uh, uh, then you have the story where God says to them, that's it, that generation has hardened their heart, they are in unbelief, they are not going to cross over into the promised land. And that whole generation, 40 years, got to the wilderness and uh, died, and then the next generation of their children, God called them into the promised land. Now, the sad truth is, is that God couldn't do the work that He wanted to do in, in, in those individuals. He couldn't bring them uh, into the promised land as He had promised these individuals because of their unbelief, their failure to trust God. This is what can happen to Christians. And this is how Christians in their lives can end up, which is a sad reality. But you see, what's also interesting is uh, what God speaks to them. And I want to read a couple of scriptures to illustrate this. But in Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 6, the Bible says, Therefore understand that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land to possess because of your righteousness. Because you are a stiff-necked people. And then, it says in verse 7, Remember, do not forget how you provoked the Lord your God to wrath in the wilderness. From the day that you departed from the land of Egypt until we came to this place, you have been rebellious against the Lord. I mean, that's sad, isn't it? But it typifies human nature. And, and we thought that it happened that had been like that. But you know, the sad truth is, we can be like that. And so, God said, and think, you know, God's saying God is a good God, but He's just letting them know this is what you're like. And from, from being a broken-hearted people, they were not healed in the manner which God sought to do so, and so therefore they became hard-hearted. Though their hearts were broken, we see that their hearts were still hard. I mean, and this characterized the children of Israel throughout the whole journey. And even to the point where when the Christ, the Messiah, finally comes, you have Jesus as he's, he's there and he's, he's looking over the city of Jerusalem. And his words are these in Matthew 23, verse 37. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. He sends the, the heart. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. The one who kills all the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. And that's a sad reality this morning. 
that Jesus is saying how often, how many times the heart of God wanted to, as a hen gathers her chicks and brings them under her wings, how God wanted to do this with this people, this nation, and time and time again. He said, you were not willing for me to come and to come unto me in this manner. And so therefore, he says, you shall reap the, uh, the consequences. Your house is left to you desolate. But you ought not to be that way. And Christian lives can end and be in a state that they ought not to be in this morning. And the question has to be asked, why? And God's able. God's a miracle working God. Sometimes we need to ask the question, is it, what, what's, what, what is it in me? Is there something in me that's hindering God? Am I not yielding? Am I not surrendering? Am I not giving God all the pieces? You see, when we fail to do, when we, when we don't allow God to access every area of our life and bring healing into our heart, and uh, then all of a sudden, when there's a, a resistance, when nobody got access, then to our own detriment, we bear the consequences of these things. And I think of the children of Israel again in the book of Isaiah, in chapter 1. This is their condition, as God speaks to the prophet. And he says, why should, in verse, chapter 1, verse 5, why should you be stricken again? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick. The whole heart faints. From the sole of the foot, even of the head, there's no soundness in it. But wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed up or bound up or soothed with ointment. Your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Strangers devour your land in your presence, and it is desolate as overthrown by strangers. So God is saying that this is the condition that you are in. Because of your hard-heartedness, because of your, uh, like, you won't allow me to, to, to work, you won't respond to me in accordance. He's saying your condition is that you have wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. You're sick. But this ought not to be the case. I think of that, uh, David. You know, when we have unconfessed sin in our lives, that 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 affects us deeply. When we have not confessed sin, which uh, as one of the Bible says, he who confesses his sins and forsakes them shall find mercy. But he who does not, not. And so David, as a result of his sin, he tried to keep it silent. And then, as a, as a result of that, he says in Psalm 38, verse 4 to 8, says, For my iniquities have gone over my head, like a heavy burden, they are too heavy for me. My wounds are foul and festering because of my foolishness. I am troubled, I bow down greatly, I go mourning all day long, for my loins are the of inflammation. There's no soundness in my flesh. I'm feeble and severely broken. I groan because of the turmoil of my heart. David is broken. And it's not until he makes confession. 
how he sinned before God. And then he says these words in Psalm 51, the sacrifices of God are a broken and contrite spirit. Because when we acknowledge our sin, when we make confession, when we come to God in the mess that we are, and we say, Lord, I have sinned against you, and you make confession, then God can deal with your brokenness. He can heal those wounds. But until then, they're festering sores, and they are, uh, they're like an internal cancer to the soul. Hebrews 12 speaks about this to the child of God. Do not despise the discipline of God. And then it says in uh, Hebrews 12, verse um, 14, uh, sorry, uh, verse uh, 12, it says, Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and feeble knees, and make so parts for your feet, so that what is laid may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. See, God wants to heal. But so often, there's so many things that are unresolved because of our failure to give God all the pieces of our heart. And so things remain dislocated. There are putrefying sores. There's turmoil, and there's inner, an inner, uh, just an inner um, uh, torment that is taking place. And that's not God's will for us. The other way is a miracle working God. He doesn't want to see His children in this condition. But why are they in this condition? And that's what we're looking at to bring the answer. See, God wants to heal church. The book of Proverbs says these words, who can bear a broken spirit? Who can bear a broken spirit? It's a rhetorical question because the fact is no one can. No one can. I'm strong, I can handle that. No, you can't. You don't understand the human soul and how these things are perfect. Hebrews, I mean, sorry, uh, Proverbs uh, 17, verse 22 says that a broken spirit drives the bones, and a broken spirit um, makes one sick. There are, a broken heart has its consequences in and of itself. And God says, This is not my will. I want to heal and make you all kinds of my son. Basically, just pops up out of the blue, right? 
refining a bit faster, and it's a condition. And it can be rectified, it does heal itself, but this is what happens. And so, um, and people can die with, it, with this condition. And so what's interesting is that science has sought to examine why this happens to the heart. And they, science hasn't found all the answers and there's a number of theories, but one thing that they agree on and one thing that they determine is that it's a result of some emotional trauma in the individual. And what it does is it causes a, 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 an injection of adrenaline into the heart and stress and so forth, and so that flowing, uh, that uh, spike of hormone in the human heart causes it to balloon out. And it's interesting. That's physically what happens. But you see, that is reflective of the spiritual amen that can happen to to happens to mankind, can happen to the child of God. That we can have a broken heart and then spiritually speaking. And the truth is, is that God does not want us to have an adrenaline spike hormone that's racing through us where we are stressed and anxious. No, no, no. God wants us to be repressed and have peace. That the peace of God will rule in our heart. And the only way we can enter into that, come to me, all you who are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, Jesus said. Rest for your souls. And so you can find healing. And it is a wonderful thing what God can do with a broken heart if he gets all the pieces. And so my exhortation to us this morning is that God does not want his children to live with a broken heart. And I want to exhort you, as it is said, how wonderful it is what God can do with a broken heart if he gets all the pieces. And so I want to exhort us this morning to examine ourselves before the Lord. Maybe there are areas of your life that are just still untouched. You haven't allowed God to access it because they're just too painful. They're just, you just shut them out. But God is saying, no, 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 these things are like a cancer to your soul. They have to be healed and removed. And God wants to make you whole. And what I have experienced as a Christian in my testimony, that's why I can read these words of Samuel Chadwick and I can identify with but I can tell you that in time that I got saved, but and God and He touched me and did a miracle of salvation. But I tell you what, there was a lot of baggage that was going on in my life. And uh, what I realized is there were some things that were deep, deep in my heart that were just shut, you know, and just don't go there. But God, through His through His working and through the trials of life, He brought those things to the surface. Now, I could have just shut them down, pushed them back down, and just ignored them and just pretended it's all going to be all right. But I tell you, the moment I, I realized that, you know, then you say, oh, God, why is this happening? Well, God's saying, because I want to deliver you. I want to heal you. I want to bring wholeness to your life. So give me that piece of your heart. And the moment you give it over to God, God has it and I have seen over and over again the instantaneous deliverance and the healing power of God. I remember once I was uh, this happening, and I remember coming to an altar, and I wept at the altar like a baby. Now, if you know me, I don't weep like a baby. 
I find it very difficult to tweet, although I consider myself quite emotional at some of this degree. But I hope then the penalty is on, but it's like the Spirit of God just touched that area, that piece of my heart. And it just caused me just to weep and weep and weep, become controlled before the Lord. And I remember afterwards, I got up. And I can tell you now, I have a positive leader. I have got up rejoicing because God had said me free. Touched me. And then I had people, good meaning Christians, concerned. Because you know, anyone who you see in that state, you want to try and comfort and encourage or be there for them. God had touched me that day. And I was saved, I was saved, I was delivered, and I was healed, and I got up and went and I walked in victory. And that is an example of what I'm talking about this morning. So I want to just exhort us and encourage us to mind of the word of God. My son, give me your heart. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you this morning. For the wonderful, wonderful grace of God. I thank you, Lord, that you are a miracle working God. I thank you, Lord, that you, uh, your will is to bring about deliverance and healing and wholeness to every heart, every child of yours. Lord, how wonderful it is what you do with a broken heart. But as we said, if you get all the pieces, and we have to heal, we have to. Lord, open. We have to give ourselves. We have to allow. And when we do so, Lord, you heal us in a manner that no one else can. You touch us in a manner that no one else can. Our hope is not in psychology. It's not in some system. Not in the theories and, and, uh, uh, and practices of this world. But, Lord, in your life. Because you are Jehovah Praise the Lord. God bless you this morning. And maybe this has touched us some areas. Or maybe the Lord has revealed a few things to you. Don't just listen to what I'm saying. Bring it before the Lord. And uh, and uh,